Hello, and welcome to part two of Nervous Nelly's Rewind, series two, the podcast of the show about nervous energy and music. You're listening on Sin with Bailey. This part will be covering all non-intro or outro segments from episodes three and four from the October to December 2021 radio season of Nervous Nelly's. This includes the Nervous Nelly of the Week, Nervous Network, and Access Spotlight segments from both episodes. Before we start, just want to add that each segment is in reference to a given song that aired before or after it in the original episode. For copyright reasons, those songs can't be played in the podcast itself, but if you go onto the show page on the SIN website, if you're not there already, there'll be an article for this podcast part which has a playlist of songs referenced. And as a bonus, there's also a further listening playlist with songs that didn't air on the original episode, but are there to give context to the segment discussions. So check out the article, check out the playlists, and without further ado, here's the episodes. Episode 3 You just heard Away by Mouse on Mars, and you're listening to Nervous Nellies on Sin with Bailey. Being the first artist to play on the episode makes Mouse on Mars our Nervous Nelly of the Week. They're a German electronic duo that got their start on the English label Too Pure, allegedly inspired to send their demos there because of the early releases of Seafeel that got published through it. Their debut was similarly spacey, like early Seafeel, but with a completely electronic foundation instead of heavily processed acoustic instrumentals. By the late 90s, their music got a lot more upbeat, but still wasn't really danceable, and had too many incoherent, changing instruments and textures to sound video gamey. In particular, 1997 had them release two albums and an EP, and produce several tracks off the Stereolab album Dots and Loops. While the band was in the Dusseldorf recording studio with Mouse on Mars, Singers Letitia Sedier and Mary Hansen lent their voices to a few songs on the EP, Keshe Kua Nave, and one of the albums, Auto Detaka. In that sense, it was the bigger album. It had the tie-in EP with the same collaborators, plus it had singles, and it displays the characteristic frenetic energy they embodied at the time. In contrast, their second album from that year, titled Instrumentals, was published through Mouse on Mars's own label, and was initially just vinyl and only released in Germany and the US for the first three years of its life. I like the joke of this title because almost all of their music from before the 2000s were instrumentals, and it's not like these are suddenly acoustic instrumentals or something either. Along with its release history, the title just implicates it as a more understated album, but with that, Mouse on Mars actually calmed down a little and produced songs like the one you just heard. There's only one track that's more upbeat than Away. The rest are either on par or slower, and excluding the short, simplistic opener, even the down-tempo ones are quite decompressed and go between 6 and 10 minutes. The album also has some of the most quiet and sparse songs of Mouse on Mars' career outside of 1998's Clam, which was an unused movie soundtrack. But even then, Instrumentals is still unprecedented for going up to 10 minutes per track. 
I'm going to claim Mouse on Mars in the name of Nervous Energy for their ability to straddle engaging arrangements and decompressed song structures so as to not be explicitly ambient. While I'm also a fan of their more upbeat work, Instrumentals more reflects the sort of electronic accompaniments on the songs they produce for Dots and Loops, and it also paves the way for more melancholic compositions that blended electronics with orchestral instruments on 2001's Ideology, and it would be the style of composition that won out for the duo. Their second most recent album, 2018's Dimensional People, expanded that electroacoustic blend with dozens of collaborators and multi-part songs where features dip in and out. And while this year's AAI, short for Anarchic Artificial Intelligence, went back to being strictly electronic, the pace was still meditative to give space for the album's main conceit, which is to explore the idea of AI-generated vocals that are based on an actual person. I don't have enough time to go into the full concept, but my point is that while they were sometimes spaced out, sometimes bouncy and frenetic, instrumentals is what threads the needle and foreshadows their nervous sound almost 25 years on. And up next is Explosion and then Implosion, both by Floor Baba. You just heard Explosion and Implosion by Floor Baba, and you're listening to Nervous Nellies on Sin with Bailey. This is another instance of two songs sounding better by complementing each other, and are what I'm going to call this week's representative of the Nervous Network. To recap, this is just my way of highlighting nervous techniques in specific songs without necessarily doing an entire artist's spotlight. These are off the 2017 album Neon Death and appear at the start and three quarters of the way through respectively. What I like is that the pair are set up as thematic opposites, but have enough asymmetries to not just be two parts of the one whole. For example, instead of just introducing the second half of the album, Implosion is the start of a small handful of down-tempo tracks tucked away at the very end. Second, while Implosion has a similar song structure, it still has its own melodies, harmonies and chord progressions, so it's not just a different version of the same song. It reminds me of Ian Penman's description of dub as the turning inside out of the seam of a song's recording. Well, the genre takes the idea of recording and mixing a song in a studio, but deconstructs it by adding enough echoes and empty space to emphasize its anachronism, that the recording isn't actually the song itself, but still paradoxically informs the feature of how the song is perceived. Obviously, Implosion isn't explicitly a dub remix, but I think the genre's characteristics ring true by being an inversion of a track from earlier in the album, through having empty space added to it, and not just through making it a slowed and reverbed version. I think there is merit to having slow and fast versions of the same song on an album, but that's a different conversation. Instead, Implosion's dub-like qualities highlight that as digital recordings, both tracks aren't two sides to the same coin, but are linked by revealing each other as one-sided coins and elsewhere their work similarly deconstructs itself by using synth instruments sourced from video game soundtracks, so I'm not just making this up out of nowhere. But I'll probably cover that and the broader genre of digital fusion in a future episode. Anyway, up next is Inventor vs. Invention 
by Pretty Boy Crossover. You just heard Here It Comes Again by Kate LeBon, and you're listening to Nervous Nellies on Sin with Bailey. Now we're up to our Access Spotlight. This time we're covering one of the first compositions by Zonotope from 2010, which was Lucas Nathan's stage name before Jerry Paper. In this alias, their music is higher concept, ambient synths, barely featuring their own voice, and with more of a connection to cheesy New Age. Most Zonotope albums have a fictional backstory of being in worship of a secretive religious group led by sci-fi author Diane Kensington called The Church of the Mainframe, which combines meditation and computer technology for astral projection with the ultimate goal of being transported off-planet ahead of an alien invasion. The Zonotope discography was mostly released as limited edition cassettes, but also have digital counterparts, which is a big help now that they're all sold out. It interests me how the amount of backstory dies down as Jerry Paper becomes more prolific as an indie pop figure. One of their first major albums under their new stage name, 2014's Jerry Paper Feels Emotions, comes with a blurb about how they broke off from the church of the mainframe, but they still joke that the album was recorded after getting signed while on permanent residency on a cruise ship, and that their contract was ripped off halfway through production after they wasted all the budget on things like an orchestra of several hundred saxophonists, which I guess makes light of the lo-fi synth production. But the blurbs stop after that album, and in a sense they don't need all that lore after getting signed to Stones Through Records, because I'm sure they were signed for being themselves, not for their backstory. But it still impresses me how the blurbs afforded by the infinite canvas of digital storefront pages played an early and ongoing part in getting across their themes while their music was more sparse and wordless, and potentially while they were still finding their own voice. Whereas just a couple decades ago, if someone's first release was on limited cassette, we might never have access to it by the time they built a profile. But it's not a couple of decades ago, so we do have access to it. And in celebration of that, Here's the title track of their debut full-length, Excellent Realms. Episode 4 You just heard Sunday Night Just Keeps Rolling On by Moon, and you're listening to Nervous Nellies on Sin with Bailey. So, being the first song featured on the episode makes the artist Moon our Nervous Nelly of the Week. I briefly covered this band once last season, during an Access Spotlight. But to recap, they're an Icelandic group that mixes lo-fi electronics and sampling with live instruments. On their debut, which this track is from, there are occasional vocals, brass, strings, and woodwind. I haven't heard them on recent albums, but my understanding is that following their debut, the vocal and orchestral contributions gradually increased. In the early to mid-2000s, Half the original band, twin sisters Gila and Kristen Anabaltis Tortilla, departed, leading to more singers and instrumentalists being brought on board. Personally, my interest in Moon stems from how the band's roots are in crunchy, down-tempo affairs that circumvent popular notions of both glitch and IDM. At the end of this song, you'll have heard what is effectively a drum and bass breakbeat, but of course it's situated within a fairly ambient track 
filled with drawn-out, repeating, airy synths. I don't think it's the case in this exact song, but in a 2012 compilation of early, rare, and unreleased tracks, there are instances of an actual Amen break, but with extremely low-quality audio sampling. Below that other synthesized percussion sounds very bit-crushed, which further blurs the boundaries between lo-fi recording and lo-fi production. Some of the early work is self-described as arcade game mixes, others were originally written for a children's play, so they're definitely not shying away from the juvenile qualities that can be associated with lo-fi music. I really like this about Moom, because historically, electronic music is often divided between danceable and non-danceable, and even then, the non-danceable stuff is expected to be complex, highly produced affairs, even if they're glitchy. Meanwhile, lo-fi music has mainly been about self-recorded garage rock and solo songwriters, it was only really in the 2010s that lo-fi synths really took off. So predating this, and circumventing the electronic music as dance music debate, Moom begin their career with a bevy of simple but engaging, glitchy but not abrasive, and orchestral but not grandiose electronic music. That's what I'd consider nervous about them. And up next is Eden V by Sound of Series, followed by the song's demonstration version. You just heard Eden V and Eden V demonstration by Sound of Series, and you're listening to Nervous Nellies on Sin with Bailey. Previously when I covered this band, I mainly focused on how its nervous qualities from their previous incarnation, the noise pop group Candy Claws, were retained even as their new sound was higher fidelity. I mentioned their latest album, The Twin, but didn't play anything from it, so I'm rectifying this by airing the studio and demo version of the album closer. The Twin's theme is all about transformation through isolation. It's apparently the theme of the book the album is based on, Thomas Mann's The Magic Mountain, where a shipbuilder leaves town for the Alps to care for his cousin in a sanatorium for years on end. The album's development mirrors this by the American band more or less self-recording a complete album, then traveling to a studio in Iceland for the finishing touches, where producer Alex Summers stripped out a lot of the guitar and lent heavily on icy synths, significantly changing the direction. And to complete the narrative, Joyful Noise Recordings released the demonstration tape version of the album a year later, which is how it sounded pre-production. This is also used in the marketing to emphasize that no two versions of the twin are the same, be it the live shows, the studio album, and now the demo versions. Obviously this isn't the first time it's been argued that no recording or performance can holistically represent a song, or the first time that demo recordings of a song have been released, but I do appreciate that this is an alternate version of an entire album, all recorded at the same time, and intended to be listened to together, as opposed to the random demos or disparate live versions of songs that usually get tacked on as a disc two or as bonus tracks on an expanded re-release of an album. I like how the demonstration version has a different track order, and yet both versions end with Eden V. 
The songs are also often slower, or pitched down a little from their studio versions. It's not lo-fi by any means, but the comparative lack of synth adornments makes for a slightly simpler sound. And even though the demonstration version came first, having it released after, and listening to it after the studio version, makes it sound wistful and melancholic. Eden V has some of the most complex and rapid synth arpeggio patterns on the album, and hearing them repeat across both versions really gets across the theme of isolation to me. We travel, we transform ourselves in private, we hone our message for the public, but often the only way we can show our attunement to the public, or show that our message is multidimensional and worth listening to, is just by repeating variations of it over and over, which although technically is a transformation, can sometimes end up bittersweet or even existentialist. I'm highlighting this notion, which Sound of Series offers to us by juxtaposing multiple versions of their work as this week's instance of the Nervous Network. Anyway, up next is Antoine by Lotus Plaza. You just heard High Court by Ballpark Music, and you're listening to Nervous Nellies on Sin with Bailey. This week's Access Spotlights will be focusing on a pair of digital-only tracks by electronic artist Dendy Crew. He's an independent producer whose music is dance-focused, but more in the tradition of rhythm game music than modern electronica. I've occasionally seen this genre referred to as fidget house, but I'm not sure how widespread that term is. Basically, before Guitar Hero and Just Dance normalized licensed music in the rhythm game genre, it was more common for franchises like Beatmania to use in-house musicians whose tracks had to be both upbeat and danceable, but also complex enough that high-difficulty step patterns could be mapped to their rhythms. It's like the equivalent of how in Guitar Hero, the hardest songs were the fast, shredding prog jams like Through the Fire and the Flames, but the dance music version of this, in my opinion, is much more interesting. So by spotlighting Dendi, I also want to highlight more broadly how internet communities of musicians, inspired by rhythm games released across the world, united over their shared interest and expanded the reach of this music to beyond just the arcade cabinet. Things have also gone full circle with new rhythm games like Seven's Code including artists like Dendi in their music catalogue. And with the surge of hyperpop and re-embracing of genres formerly considered to be 2000s kitsch, like Happy Hardcore and Eurobeat, this alternative style of game-inspired dance music certainly has its place in the music network, thanks to the internet. And in conclusion, once things are safer, I'd really like to go back to the city, or even just to Northland, play the few cabinets of DDR that are left in Melbourne. Anyway, to represent this niche, I'll be putting on Dendi's solo contribution to Seven's Code, titled Noonday Devil, and the instrumental of Boomerland, collaboration with vocalist Drew Toothpaste under the alias Hell Orbs. I'd also recommend Hell Orbs, although the lyrical themes can be quite crude and filled with expletives, hence why I'm just sticking to the instrumental for this show.